So in our UH 110 class, we were designated to read a book called The Pot Liquor Papers, uh, written by John T. Edge. Uh, the book describes a narrative history of the food history of the South, delving deep into the background and the historical monuments dedicated to food. Um, really interesting book. I enjoyed it. Um, what did you guys think of the book? I thought it was pretty good. It was really interesting about the history of food in the South. I actually really changed my mind a lot. I mean, I thought that it was like the stupidest thing ever <laughs> when we started it, to be honest. But I mean, after reading it, it really like, changed my mind because it really showed, you know, like food really did have an impact and still does even more so than it ever has, honestly. Yeah, I agree. At first, I didn't know what could be relevant about the book, but um, it really displayed all the ways that food can affect anything from like politics to history to culture. Yeah, um, I, I'm i kind of in the same boat as Garrett. I didn't think it could be interesting. My mom read it. She thought it was cool. Uh, ultimately, I was like, you know, I might as well read it. I have to do it for a class. So uh, we all ultimately enjoyed it. Good book. Uh, had a lot of historic themes that were uh, both dark, but also really lightning at the exact same time. Um, but today we're going to delve deeper into the book and discuss one of the main dishes that was kind of prevalent throughout the South um, back then and now, uh, that being jambalaya. Um, the dish is interesting in that we're going to dissect it into five key points. Um, Emma's going to be discussing the history and culture. Garrett's going to be discussing the availability of the ingredients. Alexis is going to be discussing the personal slash community aspects. Um, Betsy's going to be discussing the ingredients and banking. And then finally, I'll be talking about the social and economic impact that uh, this food had on not only the South, but different cultures in general. Um, so in order to start, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about the history and culture, Emma? So jambalaya um, was started in Louisiana. Specifically, it's um, a sector um, called the French Quarter. Um, it gets its name from, oh, jambalaya itself gets its name from the province region of southern France uh, because the different cultures that influenced it were Spanish, um, West African, um, French, and the Caribbean. So I think it's interesting to note that the uh, Caribbean has had a great impact on, own, on not only the uh, New Orleans and the French Quarter, but throughout the entire world you know they have had deep ties within not just american history but world history um i think it's interesting that our dish came kind of embodies that area because uh, it's it's just interesting in that this dish could have so many different connections between so many different cultures and societies and environments and and nations um at least in my opinion that's why i think the history of looking into it is pretty cool um yeah, uh, Garrett, do you want to do you want to say anything about the history and culture, like what you thought was cool about the history? Yeah, or I mean, from what Emma said, at least you can really see like where it comes from by the availability of each of the ingredients that it's made from. I mean, there are so many dishes that are so similar in all these different places. Like he talks about the Caribbean, even France and Spain. It's like there are these just slight different variations, and it's just. It, <laughs> Yeah, and the different availability. So the spices specifically came from the Caribbean. Um, and then West African influence was the rice, and it was brought over from the slave trade. 
And what I also thought was interesting about all of this is that it was created because it was a cheap source of food because all the different ingredients were inexpensive. So everybody would just take their leftovers and they would throw it all together and it would sort of make um, this dish that was easy to access, easy to make, and very inexpensive. Uh, and what's also interesting is that it started out as um, the Spanish dish pay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's interesting that you brought up the slave trade because uh, the slave trade itself is a historical stain upon you know the, the, the earth and that uh, millions were hurt by it, millions were separated from their family. But I think it's interesting to note that one of the darkest aspects of history uh, has brought so many different ideas for food, different uh, ingredients, different ideas of culture. Um, throughout the entirety of not only the modern world, but the old world. Um, yes, even though the slave trade is one of the darkest aspects of history, it's still important to note that things did arise out of it that would not be here if the slave trade had not existed. Um, I do think it is important to go into the fact that the history of stuff like this, especially when you're talking about, you know, America, the, the food in America and the, the different cultures that make it up, because in my opinion, opinion, America is a melting pot of so many different cultures that each bring their own history and traditions and all of this stuff into the food we have today. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else about the history and culture? Um, what's also interesting is that uh, Spanish settlers, when they came over to the New World, they tried to make one of their favorite dishes, which was paella. <laughs> Just to go back to what Blake was saying, I, I think that he makes a really good point that that's really just what all of Southern food and Southern culture is about. It's just, like he said, this melting pot of other cultures and everything that they have kind of mixing it together. I mean, that's really just all of what it is. That's what jambalaya in its essence is. It's just, it's like a mishmash of all these random ingredients basically. And that's why it became so popular is because in these times where people were struggling and they didn't want to waste any food, they just threw whatever leftovers they had basically into this pot and combined it all so that they didn't waste anything. Uh, cool. Uh, I think it's also important to note that you mentioned uh, the the availability of ingredients earlier. Um, uh, I, I like to, I like to hear more about just like where the ingredients are to find, where they came from, and just some small stuff like that, if you don't mind. I mean, yeah. Um, the ingredients are almost all grown or found in the United States, which especially in the South, which made it very easy to create the dish, especially in Louisiana, where it originated. With, I mean, rice being grown in many of the Southern and Midwestern states, such as Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas, all throughout the Midwest, as well as the, um, the meat which could all be like harvested in the South. And there are tons of varieties of meat, but it was pretty easy to find throughout the South, which meant that it was just such a common dish. And so many households found it as a comfort food that they could always have there whenever they needed a meal on the table. I think what's also interesting about the availability is you see that um, in more of the rural areas, this is what made it a little bit more 
Cajun because they didn't include tomatoes, whereas um, the Creole style was found more in the city and they used tomatoes and it was more of like creamy and buttery dish rather than the spicy dish of the country. So that's interesting how um, depending on the availability of ingredients, it kind of changed to adapt. I think that's interesting too because kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, it really just connects with other cultures because another reason that some places have that tomato in it and some don't, making that difference between the Creole and the Cajun, is because um, some people just wanted to connect with the, the Spanish past of their culture and in those in those areas that's where the tomato is often included rather than the the jambalaya without the tomato. And the reason the tomato was included is because um, the Spanish settlers they, they couldn't find saffron. I don't saffron. Saffron, I think. Okay. They couldn't. I, yeah, good. they couldn't um, find that. So instead, they used tomatoes to set that into their dish, and that's what changed it from paella to jambalaya. So you mentioned earlier the difference between uh, uh, Cajun and Creole. Uh, I actually didn't quite get that. Catch that? Would you mind just stating the difference between those two again? Yes. Yeah, so Creole includes tomatoes, and so it's also known as red jambalaya. Um, and this is more like the spicy, oh no, this is more like the, um, the city food and it's more like creamy and buttery. Um, and then the Cajun is um, the rural area. Um, it's common in a lot, in a lot of like the, the Bayou County. Yeah. Um, it's common in that area and it's more like spicy and that's what does not include tomatoes. So. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I really liked was you mentioned how uh, I, I, you, you mentioned about how earlier I said America is a melting pot of culture, and then you linked that back to how jambalaya is essentially a melting pot of culture. Um, I, I thought that was really interesting in that as Emma discussed the culture and the history of it, you discussed the availability of the ingredients, the importance of the ingredients. Um, you gave us this sense of idea that jambalaya isn't, it isn't a child of one culture, but instead a, a, um, a child to many. Um, I think the importance of describing the availability of those uh, ingredients is really important to dissecting not just the dish, but the importance of the dish too. Um, anyone else have anything about anything that they liked hearing? Um, I think the importance of the different spices is um, really important for, you know, there's different types of jambalaya. There's not just one, and I think it depends on where it comes from, and that matters a lot. I think that's a really good point. I think it, I really don't think that there's one recipe for it. Mm -hmm. I think that it really just changes no matter where you are. There's not one type of jambalaya. It's, there are so many different ingredients that can be included in it that it really just changes wherever you are. Yeah, I like that. It's more how like the settlers that came over to Louisiana with like little resources and not a lot of food, they just kind of threw together what they what they could and that's how there's so many different versions of it and it kind of depends based on the areas and what resources they have. That's true even today. Um, Betsy and I are both from New Orleans and we can tell you like restaurant to restaurant jambalaya can be very different. So like there really is no one way to make it. It just, it really is up to the person in charge of doing that, but it varies. So you actually mentioned you and Betsy were both from that sort of yes. area down there. Uh, would you mind talking about how jambalaya was like 
important to your community or you like your family just yeah. the importance of it i guess well jambalaya is definitely something that anyone from louisiana is very familiar with especially in new orleans we see it all the time it's constantly at fairs sporting events and really anywhere with a large group which is probably because it's so filling and easy to make like in giant batches but um new orleans has such like a party atmosphere and jambalaya truly like accompanies the party and it has for my whole life like it's it's, it's everywhere. always there it's, if there's it's, any type right. of big event it's always there anything it's going to be there it's been so present throughout my life and betsy could probably tell you about that too yeah it's um i mean i've probably had it the last time i went home my family makes it all the time the recipe that i'm gonna talk about is the one my mom uses my whole family's been using forever um, and I think that's when I think of a traditional New Orleans food, I think of jambalaya. Yeah. So anyway, while I was researching it, I came across the website for the Gonzales Jambalaya Festival. And so apparently Gonzales, which is a city just northwest of New Orleans, has been holding a jambalaya festival since June of 1968. The locals found it a great way to promote the city and raise money for community projects. This got many nonprofit civic groups and organizations all across Ascension Paris to contribute. And by the way, this really reminded me of the potlicker papers because just this one dish became such a cultural relevancy for them. Like not only for the state, but for this specific community of Gonzales, like the whole parish got involved, which parish is like counties for us. So like it became like a multiple town all contributing to this one town's festival that they would have every year. Um, so like the festival would have carnival games, rides and other events, but the jambalaya cook-off was the main attraction every year. Um, it started with 13 cooks, but it's grown to over 70 competing for the title of world wow. jambalaya cooking champion. It's a major event for this little town. Like the town is only 10,000 people, but the jump, the festival has brought in over 50,000 just for that one weekend. Like it's become a massive thing. Um, so then I guess another aspect of the importance of this dish is that it's an economic backbone for definitely. Uh, what, what town was Gonzales. it? Gonzales. Uh, Gonzales. It's a, it's a backbone of economic security for this, uh, for that, for that community. And I think that's also another important aspect of this dish in that it's not only as, as Garrett's mentioned several times, it's not just a dish, but it is a sense of community in food form. Uh, it has, so, as Emma mentioned, it has so many cultures, uh, putting stuff into it. It has so many different ways to be, to be made as you and Betsy both brought up. And it's the, it, it's the, basically the one thing keeping this, this community afloat, um, especially with, with COVID and all the modern things happening. Um, I think that's also another aspect of the community that is often left unchecked of not just this dish, but food in general, and that it, it provides a sense of community of trust of, of hope to communities that might be struggling or, communities that might not have something to call their own. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's important that you actually brought that up. Yeah, in fact, um, I found that uh, Gonzales was also called the jambalaya capital of the world because mm -hmm. of the festival mm -hmm. um, that they had there. And that was declared by the governor in 1968. Interesting, interesting. I think what's also um, so important about jambalaya is that it in a way represents the state of Louisiana, especially as it's like, traveled across the South and people who aren't from Louisiana, um, it's become such a common thing. So it's a bit of like a representation of 
Louisiana for people that wouldn't really normally know what the culture and the community is like there. And then it also helps so many different people groups um, show a little bit of their backgrounds as they like add different ingredients to the dish. I think that's a really good point too, because like I'm from Nashville, so like I'm pretty far from New Orleans. Like, I don't know, jambalaya is not as important to me as to you guys. Um, but it still like exists around me. Like obviously not as prevalent, but there are places like that you can get it. And it really just shows how it's like permeated through society and become such an important thing, not only to Louisiana, but to the whole country. I mean, there are even places locally here. Like I know like the shrimp basket for one has jambalaya and so does Popeye's. Uh, like a national chain <laughs> restaurant. I know, like, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fair point. It's like it's become very a nationwide common. chain has it there that I mean, so everyone, not only people in Louisiana, can experience it. Betsy, so you said your mom makes it. Do you want to kind of describe how she did that? Yes. So this is um, just a basic, just traditional jambalaya recipe, um, and it includes two tablespoons of butter, half pound of chicken breast. Um, half pound of andouille sausage, one yellow onion, three cloves of garlic, one green bell pepper, one stalk of celery, one cup of long grain white white rice, one 14.5 ounces of diced can of diced tomatoes, um, two tablespoons of Creole seasoning, one to two teaspoons of hot sauce, one teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, two cups of chicken broth, two bay leaves, three fourths tablespoon of salt, half pound medium raw shrimp, four green onions, two cups of chicken broth, two bay leaves, three fourths teaspoon of salt, and one to two teaspoons of hot sauce. How many servings do you know that normally makes that recipe? That, mm, mm, I don't know. Pretty big serving. And yeah. when you usually make a serving of jambalaya, it's pretty yeah. large. Jambalaya it's, is like always made in bulk. Yeah, it like, is. So I guess like Never that's small, how it's the yeah. the community, like mm -hmm. you with your friends and family. Mm -hmm. So that oh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's it's interesting because uh, as as you were describing that, I was going through and you know uh, looking at other ways that people made it. and what you said, what you both said earlier was right in that there is definitely no one way to do it. Like I'm looking at the uh, Zatarain's, uh, whatever their company is called. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm sitting here and I'm I'm reading their website because I know when I used to work at a back at a grocery store back in my hometown. I saw a lot of people buying mm -hmm. this company's That's products. That's kind of like your basic, if you want to make a batch of jumbo oil, not from scratch. Though. That's kind of what you buy. Um, it's the traditional, like, New Orleans yeah. jumbo oil. It's okay. a good place it's to start. Eat. If you've it never is. had it before, never made it, it's it's going to be it good. like a mix? Yeah, yes. it's like a mix. And then you just put, like, the big ingredients in mm -hmm. with it. It's interesting. It's really good, though. It's it completely from scratch. Hmm. So to kind of make the jambalaya after all the ingredients. Um, first, you're gonna place all your chicken in a bowl with um, one tablespoon of the um, homemade Creole seasoning and you're gonna set that aside. And then you're gonna heat the butter in a large skillet over medium high heat and brown the chicken on all sides. Then you're gonna add the andouille sausage and cook for another three minutes or so until the sausage begins to brown. Then you're gonna add the onion, garlic, celery, and bell pepper and cook for three to four minutes. Then you're gonna add your rice, diced tomatoes, remaining tablespoon of Creole seasoning, hot sauce, 
Worcestershire sauce, salt, pepper, and you're going to stir all of that and combine it. Then you're going to add your chicken broth and bay leaves and bring that to a boil. Um, then you're going to reduce the heat to medium low and cover and let that simmer for 15 minutes and um, give me it one stir around the halfway point. Then you're going to add the shrimp and you're going to cover and let it simmer again for another 10 minutes or until the rice is fully cooked. Um, and then you're going to serve and sprinkle it with some sliced onions. Interesting. Uh, so you said that is not, so earlier you mentioned, is, is that like similar to how your, your family would make it back at home? Yes. Okay. That's exactly how my family would make it. Cool. 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 Uh, so, I think a lot of the ingredients we talked about earlier, like the tomatoes, the spices, the Creole seasoning, you can kind of use whatever seasoning you want. I mean, there's traditional ones that New Orleans uses, but. I think a lot of the ingredients we talked about in the history of them are all included there. Is jambalaya like the recipe? Is it something that most people that are like native to like New Orleans like just know how to just grow up and mm-hmm. how to make? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you for giving us the ingredients and how to make it. Um, probably won't be making it myself because I'll either make it wrong or burn the house down. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. That's something that could not happen because. It's bad for a lot of people. It actually is pretty easy. I think when yeah. I was younger, I used to think it was pretty difficult to make just because there's so many ingredients. But after reading um, just the cooking process, it's pretty simple. Cool, cool. Um, so since you mentioned the ingredients, and I know uh, Alexis talked about how it was kind of a community, uh, or how how it, how it impacted communities. Um, I kind of want to mention the impacts of it, not just, or at least the impacts other cultures had on not just uh, jambalaya, but uh, um, Southern food in in general. Uh, So I have a few things here. Uh, So the Hispanic Marketing Council back in 2012 conducted a poll that uh, asked uh, Hispanics and non-Hispanics on whether uh, Hispanic culture had impacted American culture. Um, 45 of Hispanics said that it had a great, great influence on food and 82% said it had a moderate influence, um, for non-Hispanics, 32% said it had great and 87% said moderate. Um, that, that, that's just kind of a statistic to show how some cultures can impact it and how some people don't think cultures impact it. Um, I, I do think is, I do think it is interesting to note that, you know, that's not a poll of every Hispanic in the world. It's a poll on a small subset, but I still think it can speak volumes. Um, then going from Spanish to French, uh, uh, Escoffer back in 2021 said that uh, French cooking continued to evolve and into the 1900s, uh, Nouvelle Cuisine was born. Uh, this style of cooking was basically defined by use of high quality fresh ingredients, wider meals, and simpler, but no less breathtaking, of course, presentations. Uh, I definitely think that fits within the idea of jambalaya being, you know, ingredients that people find that are left over, but still fresh and that, you know, it's, it's different. Uh, each, each style of cooking is different compared to the chef. Um, it's just not a single thing, but it's more of a community thing. Um, African culture also had a huge impact on jambalaya as well. Uh, NBC news in uh, 2020, uh, goes on to explain that ingredients such as sweet potatoes and bene seeds, uh, many of these were bought over during the transatlantic slave trade, again, referencing how a dark moment in history had uh, moments that, you know, had opportunities to trade uh, cultures between communities. 
Um, that article explains that collard, collard greens and all type of things like that, um, people deemed them as trash. Uh, but ultimately, people kind of accepted them and said, hey, you know, this is a part of their culture, part of their heritage. Um, obviously, we, we should let them have it. Um, so it, African ingredients still have a huge impact upon Southern cuisine, Southern cuisine today. Um, since the slave trade was so heavily uh, managed in the South, uh, I, I believe many cultures brought over during that time period are still finding moments of long-lasting heritage that they're still clinging to. Mm -hmm. I looked up, um, and the specific things that West Africa, like the specific influence they had, is the type of rice that they brought over. And so that, I mean, has is a huge influence because rice is one of the main ingredients of the dish. Um, and then, of course, just French with the spices and then um, the addition of the sausage. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, Caribbean, I know you mentioned earlier about rice and beans, but uh, um, in Cuba, beans appear in many dishes. Um, beans are cooked and served in, in a variety of ways, depending on the country. Um, again, that, that still translates in that uh, the Caribbeans were heavily impacted by that slave trade. And uh, then they brought this culture over to America and it became this melting pot of different communities putting their own identities into food. Um, and I think that kind of brought us to the modern jambalaya that we have today. Uh, I think that many of these cultures and communities had their own impacts, their own unique impacts. But again, I, I don't think the idea of the jambalaya belongs to one community, but instead belongs to a group of communities that each have their own identity put into this dish. And it shows how each community and culture are equally important because you wouldn't have jambalaya if you were missing, um, if you were missing like the rice or if you were missing um, the tomatoes, if you were missing like the different cultures or countries that contributed their ingredients, then you wouldn't really have the dish that we have today. So it shows how um, the importance of how so many different cultures blend together and each contribute in a very important way. Yeah, uh, well, I, I think it's both ironic and funny that we started this by talking about the past and we're ending by talking about the present. Um, and obviously, we're not going to talk about the future because none of us can see into the future. Um, but overall, the, the jambalaya is an important part of not only Southern cuisine, but Southern culture in general. Um, it shows us how we each have identities we can put into dishes. And overall, I think it's something that not a lot of people know about, or at least not a lot of people know the intricacies about, except if you're from New Orleans, because then you know all about or it. Or Betsy and Alexis. Exactly. <laughs> if you're them, then you know everything. But uh, as for people who aren't from that area, I think it's it's definitely interesting to go and look at the, back at this dish and see the impacts cultures had on it, see the communities that were raised by it, see the uh, historical moments that were pivoted by this dish. Um, so yeah, uh, any closing words for anyone? I think we've kind of covered everything. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Very cool. Um, so yeah, uh, hope you guys enjoy this um, and we'll see you later.